Hey, everybody. We're back for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. We're at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. It's Jason. I'm Chucky. Last weekend, we were at the beautiful book at Santa Fe. We're back at our stomping grounds uh, here at Red Rock. And what an unbelievable week. I mean, it's uh, you know week two of hockey. Uh, NBA tipped off this week. Um, you, know, you had so many great college football games last week, Jay. I mean, you talk about those games. I mean, the, the USC-Utah game, the Tennessee-Alabama game, the Michigan-Penn State game. Just a great slate. Uh, and that's even before we got into Sunday football. But it was a really exciting, kind of fun week. We loved being out at Santa Fe again. Kudos to, to Mario, Nikki, and Brent for having us out there. Great property, great book. Don't forget to go check it out. Uh, but it should be a fun week as we dive into it this week as well. And we're just as much action to talk about the games we had last week. And we're, we're right back in it. You talk about the NBA tipping off. Uh, I'm going to see a monster week of, of NBA handle. Uh, hockey's starting to uh, kind of gear up and, and teams are kind of showing their, their stripes and we're seeing a lot of scoring uh, kind of early uh, in the NHL season and you know this week of this week of college is I, I won't say it's as good as last week, but we still have some It's really, not as good as last week. We still have some really good marquee right. games and some teams that are going to start separating themselves in that national title picture. Um, obviously, the, the big upset of Alabama last week uh, muddies the waters there and, and potentially opens up some other teams getting in. And, and obviously, the NFL has been absolutely incredible each and every week. Um, it was another good week for the books. Uh, players kind of struggled uh, in the NFL with obviously the big upsets, uh, Tampa losing to the Steelers and the Packers losing to the Jets. Um, when we get those money line dogs, when our when our you, buddy you teaser gets Ravens, those in for us, you know Ravens losing to the Giants, 49ers losing to the Falcons. There's just so much parity right now. I know we're gonna kind of dive into the NFL, but if you really look at statistically what what the favorites are doing right now, think about um, away favorites, 17, 22, and two. Um, against the number, um, home teams, home favorites, 21-30-1 against the number. Really uncharacteristic right now. I think there's only a total of nine teams in both conferences combined that are above 500. Four of the eight divisions have division winners with only three wins. So there is a lot of parity right now in pro football. Yeah, and I, you know, I think we're going to see it continue. Um, we've got a bunch of teams entering the bye week, so right. some stuff that uh, you know, from a fantasy football standpoint, you got to try and figure out those bye weeks, but also trying to figure out what these teams are going to look like uh, coming off their bye is is one of the things that we kind of look for um, historically from a, a past seasons um, how do teams play off their bye. So a lot to get into, and you haven't even made mention of the Major League Baseball playoffs, right, which right. are, are have absolutely been fantastic, and we've seen some major upsets there and some monster home runs and some great pitching so uh, really excited as we go into the NL and ALCSs and was that Schwarber home series. run 500 feet I yesterday? think it was 488 wow. yesterday but uh, off the bat off Darvish that X was a, Cub, a, right? a big a big shot and uh, we you miss know, you we uh, miss again, you baby bull exciting <laughs> exciting series as uh, the Yankees were able to yep. find a way to beat the Guardians and, and now they'll match up against the the really tough uh, Houston Astros here all right we're gonna kind of dive right into it guys we're gonna start with college football now and as Jay mentioned maybe not quite as good of a slate of games this week as last week but how about Syracuse against Clemson with with some of the teams that have lost right now with with Southern Cal and Bama and Clemson starting to play a little bit better offensively we know they're a good defensive team they're kind of in that mix right now where they're in a really good spot to be playing in the playoffs they're playing a team that's undefeated uh, and that Syracuse who's one of the big surprises in college football you look at ticket counts uh, here and we've got some stats on this game right now but there's a lot of love uh, for Clemson in this game even though Syracuse has been playing so good early in the season yeah Clemson's about a two touchdown favorite Syracuse coming off a somewhat of a dominating win over NC State um, 6-0 um, 
Clemson comes in 7-0. and The big difference for Clemson has been the offensive side of the football. Right. We joke about that we can't pronounce DJ Ukulele's <laughs> last name. But uh, last year... He had nine touchdown passes to ten interceptions. This year, he's 17 touchdowns to two interceptions. And he was a slow starter. It yeah, took so him that, a while to get that, that rolling. That's really been the difference in this team. And this, to me, this is a big game for Clemson because you talk about the national championship implications. Um, Clemson has the big win on the road at Florida State last week, a game that they really kind of dominated and they kind of let Florida State leak back in in the fourth quarter. Um, but they're a two-touchdown favorite here. And if Clemson goes on to win this game, they only have one road game left on their schedule and that's Notre Dame and then they play Louisville Miami and South Carolina at home um, so they do have a they very the table there, favorable right. schedule to go 12-0 and before you get to the ACC championship uh, but this is a big monster game for Clemson obviously uh, with a 6-0 and Syracuse coming team coming in Syracuse has really done things on the defensive side of the football they're only allowing like 13.8 points a game uh, but they have not seen right. this offense right. and this type of Clemson and they've offense. had close they've had some scares like against yep. Purdue they've had games they had to come down and kind of win right at the end of the game but they're still undefeated so I think it's gonna be a major test for them going up against the big boys in Clemson um all right let's look at a game in our own backyard and that's uh Notre Dame and UNLV um Notre Dame is a 24 and a half point favorite here uh 61 percent of the tickets are on Notre Dame they come off the loss at home to Stanford uh UNLV's come back to earth a little bit losing a couple of games in a row um do the Rebels have enough to kind of stay with the Irish who are really struggling to score points? Well, again, we know Notre Dame, uh, the, the two losses at home has that program uh, really shaken and how are they going to bounce back? And there's nothing like being able to bounce back uh, than, than a UNLV Mountain West team uh, coming to town, let alone a, a UNLV team that's now been two weeks without Brumfeld. Right. And then last week um, they lose uh, their running back, Aiden Robbins, really early in the game. Um, they get blown out by Air Force at 40 Two to yeah, forty-two to seven, and right. the week before that, forty to seven by San Jose State. So all that optimism at the beginning of the season for UNLV is gone, um, just because they don't have the depth there. And really, Brumfeld was the guy that was leading that offense and keeping them in game. So this could be a great spot for uh, Notre Dame, who just is going to have they just much don't bigger score, forces, right? Yeah, uh, to be able to run the football. But um, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later in the good, the bad, and the ugly on what I think of Notre Dame. Uh, but this is probably a spot where they, they need to find a way to get healthy. Right. I think you kind of brought it up a little bit. It's the size differential in the trenches. And that's where eventually I think UNLV will get worn down on both sides of the ball. Uh, another game we're looking at right now, uh, the Chip Kelly Bowl. Chip <laughs> Kelly returns against Oregon here. Uh, 75% of the tickets here are on UCLA getting the points. 70% of the tickets are on the over. DTR has been phenomenal early in the season. UCLA getting points. I think we'll probably be Ducks fans by the time this game kicks on Saturday. But it's really one of the marquee matchups, I think, in the Pac-10 that we're looking at for this Saturday. Yeah, and, and 75% of the tickets on UCLA getting six points. Um, these teams, uh, the last two years, has been a, a three-point game. The one thing you talk about, Chip Kelly returning to Oregon, obviously, right. where he made two national championship appearances with them, a Rose Bowl with them. He's 0-3 since leaving Oregon and playing against them. He's yet to beat the Ducks as the, the UCLA. You think this is his best team, though, that he's had? Yeah, yeah, and they've been close. They've, right. Like I said, they've only lost by three. Uh, DTR is playing much better at quarterback. He's uh, like 77% completion rate um, in conference. He's another one. I think uh, 
He's uh, intercept TDs, 15 t- touchdowns, only two interceptions this year. Uh, one of his hiccups has been that he turned the ball a little, right. little bit going forward. So the 50-year seniors played much better. Still going to have to go up there and play Bo Nix. Both these teams coming off their bye week as well, so they've had some time to prepare for each other. Um, and definitely going to Oregon is not an easy place to play. That's why you're seeing them as a six-point dog. And quack, we talk quack, about, right? We talk yeah, about right. the Pac-12 in right. general going on the road in the right. Pac-12 tends to be a little bit difficult. Um, I think those stats you mentioned yeah. with DTR, though, uh, he's really risen a lot on the big board, I think, for quarterbacks. Uh, recently, I've seen where DTR is like the, the seventh projected quarterback to go in the NFL draft. He wasn't in the top ten before the season started, so 15-2 and two touchdown to INT ratio. And being able to run the ball the way he does, you've seen the success of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, I think it bodes really well for DTR if he continues on this trend to kind of play at the next level. Well, his his big thing was his, was his accuracy. You're looking right. for a guy that throws with accuracy. In his first four years at UCLA, he hadn't thrown with that precision accuracy that you like to see. But um, he's he's they call it he's trying to play hero ball, where he right. he felt like he had to do all everything, um, make every play, and he's kind of learned when he needs to throw the ball away, stay within the, the offense, hit the, and and completing 72 percent of your passes, 77 percent of your passes in conference um, is going to get him there the, the one thing i go back on the other side of this of to uh, maybe a pause on ucla is uh oregon's 14 and 3 in their last 17 games uh since since 2000 they played 17 times oregon's 14 and 3 versus ucla um they've won seven straight home games against very UCLA, tough place to play and nine of the last right. 10 times they've played ucla they've been able to get the victory so this is one of those you know we saw ucla get over the hump against utah this year where they overcame one of the teams that they historically right. struggle with uh, but this is another team that ucla historically struggles you, you with. can really make a case that when oregon's at home that is the toughest venue more than ucla usc utah some of the other teams we've discussed that is the toughest road place for any of these schools to play but again you're you're getting a, se- a, a super senior a right, five-year yeah. quarterback uh, Charbonnet, they do uh, uh, Bobo. These are very experienced UCLA guys that might not be intimidated right. by the atmosphere as much as some of the younger guys. DTR definitely made the right decision by not coming out early and returning to school for another year. He's really kind of elevated his entire game and is real stock for the NFL on the next level. Um, looking at another game here, uh, Texas Oak State. Um, Oak State's a six-point dog, and they're getting the love right now. 73% of the tickets are on Oak State, um, getting the points. 64% of the tickets are on Oak State on the money line, and they expect a shootout here. 82% of the tickets are on the over of Texas Oak State on Saturday. Yeah, well, we saw we saw Texas uh, big, uh, you know, sixteen point favorite against Iowa State. Somewhat struggled last week, right. pulling out a, I think it was a twenty four twenty one win over Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State, one of the games of the day last week with the overtime lost uh, at TCU. Going going to yeah. Have Did you have to mention that? You know, and it went TCU. over, of course, which that was arguably our biggest total decision of the day kind of a dramatic swing it looked like a dead under with under three minutes to go but uh they they tie it late and then the multiple scores in overtime caused that game to go over yeah and you see that how tight this game is Ewers versus sanders you know this game is going to go one way or another <laughs> one big play uh one way is going to de- determine the game and obviously we talk about college football home field advantages uh big 12 and these type of matchups uh oklahoma state that place is going to be rocking uh but that doesn't mean you can't go on the road and, and get a victory it's going to come down to a big play here or there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Mississippi State and Alabama, it's not – we're not used to kind of talking about Bama uh, coming off a loss where they kind of mismanaged the clock late in that game, gave Tennessee the ball back. Um, I thought they should have 
ran the ball more than throwing it. Uh, Tennessee wasn't forced to use any timeouts late, and it really helped them a lot to get that game-winning field goal. Bama's a you know a three-score favorite here, but you're looking at a huge percentage of tickets on Alabama. Well, not, I, I shouldn't say huge, but 55% of the tickets on Alabama here uh, against Mississippi State in this game. Yeah, and, and you know, like we talked about last week, and I, I came with a laundry list spreadsheet of the scores, Alabama versus Tennessee. You did. And how Alabama right. seemed to own Tennessee. Right. And, and you said, well, how high, you know, was Tennessee ranked in those games? And I said it did, doesn't really matter. Right. Alabama loves playing Tennessee. And, you know, I think it, you have to start looking and asking yourself, is this Alabama team – really what we right. expected them to be with the fact that they almost lost a game at Texas. They probably should have lost a game at Texas right. if the quarterback doesn't go and get hurt. They, 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 they won a squeaker at Texas A&M where Texas A&M had a chance to right. win that game. Uh, you know, Hyatt and Hooker go have a, a five-touchdown reception right. game for Tennessee. This Alabama team ha- has had a lot of games where they struggle and now as a three-touchdown favorite over a solid Mississippi State team and Will Rogers, a good quarterback, um, it, it might just be too many points. And But we're all waiting for that right. Alabama to come back and be Alabama. I just don't know it's there. It really seems like it's Bryce Young and Bryce Young only and s- sprinkled and, and in some I, Gibbs, I'm, I'm and that's you, all that they have. I'm glad you said that about Young because, for me, his stock elevated so much even in that loss against Tennessee. I mean, for a young quarterback, I mean, he looked at his second, third, and fourth read so many times to keep drives alive. Now, I know that defensively they gave up a lot of points, but his stock has really risen for me where you can make a case that he should be the number one quarterback off the board come in April's draft. I think just from a, a body standpoint and where we're at with watching guys go down with concussions, yep. I still would be surprised if he goes ahead of Will Levis. But, um, yeah, the talent level is there. And I mean, C.J. Stroud, too. We know yeah. how talented he is as sure. well. But really it's going to be interesting come draft time. And the last college game we're going to touch on is Ole Miss and LSU. Now, we know Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, they love to score. They love the spotlight. They're getting a point and a half here. The betters love LS, or, uh, Ole Miss. 83% of the tickets are on Ole Miss. And the way that offense, you know, just seems to click on all cylinders, you've got 79% of the tickets on the over. So betters are backing Ole Miss and the over in this one in a very short point spread with LSU being about a point and a half favorite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop some inside info here. I love Just, inside I, info. I think despite the fact that 83% of the tickets are on Ole Miss, I think that we have more money on LSU. Um, We've gotten some sharp action on LSU. This is a classic uh, undefeated team, uh, you know, going into going into a road spot where very uh, tough place to play. Pick and play. Jackson darts looked fantastic, but uh, this is uh, you're you're not playing at home. Um, uh, This is this is going to be an interesting spot. Um, LSU has continued to get better and better each week. um, So much so with a a really a dominating victory um, at uh, Florida last week. Um, where they kind of let Florida come back into the game, but they make no mistake, they really dominated that game. Yeah, it's a really, really tough venue to play. And and we talked about last week so many marquee games, not quite as many this week, but the ones we've touched on, you know, it was we, really we, some good games. We didn't touch on it, but one of the other games that I have, Kansas State, TCU. Right. We've continued to see TCU still sit undefeated. Kansas State comes off their bye week. Um, two quarterbacks, uh, Adrian Martinez, who was the Nebraska tr- uh, transfers, played absolutely fantastic for K-State, uh, has to make that trip to play Max Dugan at TCU, but that's another game that I had circled up as a kind of a must-watch, especially from a Big 12 right. standpoint, if we're going to see 
this TCU, Texas, uh, Oak State uh, battle things out. They're on the outside looking in with the fact that they're beating each other up, but if something crazy happens, maybe one of these Big 12 teams uh, finds their way into a playoff as well. Right, so it's not only a great slate of you know these college games that we touched on, but you've got the, the big UFC pay-per-view card that starts early in the morning that day, so a lot of UFC going on as well. Uh, and like I said, I, you know, we, we touched on NBA and hockey, but uh, it's uh, it's tough to, to try and cover right. it because we have so many games that we want to cover. But uh, we'll we'll jump into the NBA and hockey uh, a week or two from right. now and start to show some of you know talk about right. those individual games. But man, am I excited about uh, well, some of the stuff it, that we're seeing? It's and funny, everybody asks like you know what's the busiest month or what do you guys look forward to the most? And I think you make a case that it's kind of October because you've got so excuse me so much going on in the world of sports and kind of the start of the NBA and NHL um, baseball postseason going on with college football and pro football it is just a fun time for us and with that said now's the time guys if for some reason you don't and i can't believe it if you don't if you don't have stn sports now's the time to get signed up you know with everything going on people are going to start getting busier with the holidays not that far away everything is at your fingertips with your with your uh, mobile phone get stn sports right now yeah that bonus is going to run out the 500 hundred dollar bonus is only up till october 31st um, so you got to get in before October 31st. That's kind of that, scary. That five Halloween, bonus. right? Uh, you know, and then that based on your deposit amount. So the more you deposit, uh, up to five thousand, you're going to earn ten percent back on that bonus. So um, yeah, you got to get in and, and play it and earn the bonus. But to get that five hundred dollars and have that hanging out there and not take advantage of it's just uh, just silly. Especially with all this stuff going on. Before we go into our next segment and take a break, first, uh, let me touch on last man standing. This is week eight now for college football. We initially started with twenty nine. 108 entries um after week five it was 106 remaining entries right now 40 so you've got 40 people left in college last man standing congratulations you guys you've done a great job um the college season continues to move on but there's 40 of you guys left so awesome job I don't even want to know what the pro number is because the, <laughs> we will get to the pro number. <laughs> that I promise. It's probably been knocked out uh, even more, but no, it's uh, it's been it's been a rough season from a standpoint of, of watching the games uh, with the number of knockoffs each week. There hasn't been a lot of easy winners, but um, each and every game right. there's a winning side and a losing side. Just gotta try and find that winning right. side. All right, guys. So we finished college now. We're gonna take a quick break, and they'll be right back to touch on pro football in the sports betting podcast bookends. My name's Stephen Money, and here's why you should bet on me, the STN Sports app. Just park at any of our 14 convenient sign-up locations, walk in, and you'll be signed up in minutes. And don't worry, I got all your favorite sports covered. Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey gang, we're back on the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. Now we're going to dive into a little pro football, and I think this is kind of like stats and trends and ticket count overload, but we know you guys love that. Um, again, there's been so much parity in pro football, kind of craziness with what's been going on with so many teams kind of hovering around that 500 uh, plateau. But we're going to dive right into it. Thursday night, you've got Arizona uh, hosting the Saints. Saints still have an abundance of injuries, probably no Michael Thomas, no Lattimore, um, no Landry. Not sure who's playing quarterback yet. Um, and the cards, though, have really struggled. You know, they're getting DeAndre Hopkins back. They lose Hollywood Brown. Cards are three and seven straight up in their last 10 games dating back to last year. Yet when these two teams meet in Arizona, four of the last five times, the total has gone sailing over. So these offenses are both fairly potent, haven't really produced like that so far last year. Saints are getting a point and a half here. 52% of the tickets are on the Saints. Um, 52% of the tickets are on the under. 
54% of the tickets are on the Saints' money line. So early on, the Saints getting points here, even without these key players and a big question mark at quarterback, they're getting the love of the better so far. Yeah, the, the, these two teams have really kind of been two of the more underperforming right. teams uh, from their expectations at the beginning of the season. I think more the Cardinals, though. Yeah, the Cardinals would expect it to be that high-flying offense, right. James Conner, Murray, um, you know, obviously not having Hopkins for the first six games, but they had the receivers there that they should go score, and the Saints were really expected to be a much better defensive team than what they've been. They, they were at the top of the league expectations from a defensive standpoint, so the defense has really failed them, the offense has really failed the Cardinals. Um, you know, if there's anything about Thursday night football, it's been absolutely atrocious <laughs> the last two weeks from having to watch. You're being uh, nice. It, it, you know, it, it, it's been really, really Bad. ugly to watch Thursday night football the last two weeks. Um, so much so that I had to go look at what what was Thursday night football. And so the unders right. are 16-4 and four in the last 20 Thursday night football wow. games. Because I was trying to talk myself into, can we finally see some touchdowns being scored this week? Um, with these two teams, even if it's by mistake, just from some bad right. and ugly defense. Um, but you can't see another game here where that it's Andy Dalton run the ball right. with Camara, the Cardinals not able to get anything going, or completely reversed of Kyler Murray is able to find Hopkins or his new addition in Robbie Anderson, right. and they sling the ball all over the place because the Saints can't play any defense. So I don't know what to expect, but I'm going off the history of the unders being 16 and four and. Praying to God we don't have to suffer right. through a, another Thursday night, uh, you know, no, non-offensive showing. Well, again, the, I mean, the trend when these two teams have met in Arizona the last five times, four of those five times, it has gone over. So maybe we get some points here. Uh, next game we're going to look at, uh, Lions-Cowboys. Uh, I think the big thing here is that the Cowboys do get Dak Prescott back. Lions come off their bye. It looks like DeAndre Swift will practice, so he'll be back. Um, Cowboys are a touchdown favorite. 65% of the tickets are on the Cowboys. But the betters like the under here at 61% is leaning towards the under. And interesting stat here, Cowboys are 0-5 going over in their last five home games. So you guys have looked at that trend, you've looked at the stats, and you're betting it that way. However, eight of the nine uh, last games when these two teams have met in Dallas has gone over. So something has to give there. But trends really kind of show that uh, when Dallas is at home right now, a lot of these games have gone under. Yeah, and I think this is a tough game to handicap and look exactly what's going to happen here. Obviously, Dak Prescott returning um, to the field you know, since his, right. his week one injury. We've seen Cooper Rush and the Dallas offense and um, seen them try to run the football, occasionally sprinkle in some uh, Cooper Rush, throwing the right. football, but not really super aggressive, um, not trying to have the turnovers and stay, stay in games with what is a really, really good dominating defense when Lawrence and Parsons um, can really rush the quarterback. So um, we'll see what kind of offense Dallas comes out with here. Um, I know that um, Detroit really has the struggles against the pass. They've always had, they've also had some really games where they've struggled against the run. Um, but they do have those offensive weapons, especially if Swift is back and Amon St. Ron, um, St. Brown is back. Right. Detroit does the ability, the ability to go ahead and score the ball, and obviously they're coming off a of bye week, so they'll have two weeks to prepare for that pass rush that they're going to face. I, I just wonder with Detroit on the road, their last road game, they got shut out by the Patriots, and going against this pass rush and, and this defense of the Cowboys, and I think the Cowboys' offense getting Dak back, um, I think Schultz will be back as well. I think you're going to see a much different offense. That defense has been dominant. I mean, they were in that game against Philadelphia, fell behind uh, by three scores, cut it to 20-17 to before ultimately losing that game. Uh, but I think this Cowboy team is much better than we thought they would be at this stage of the season. Next game we're going to dive into, guys, 
Giants and Jags, and hey, you have to make a, a case that that both teams are kind of surprises. I think the the Giants are a real surprise at five and one. Uh, Jags have struggled a little bit lately, uh, but a surprise as well. Love the way the Giants have been playing, and uh, you know it's evident by you guys who eighty four, almost eighty five percent of the tickets are on the Giants getting points in this game. Uh, 76% of the tickets are on the over, and 82% are on the money line favor the Giants. So there's a lot of positive indicators that you guys love uh, the Giants right now and the way they're playing football. Yeah, and the Giants are the number one team in football if you had been betting uh, $100 on their money line. If you did that with every team, um, the Giants would shake out the best. I think $100 on the money line in all their games, uh, you'd be up $812 right now. So obviously um, them being 5-1 and one and pulling some some shocking upsets. Um, yeah, the way they, they won against the Titans and the way they won against the Ravens, both really late in those games, games that they were getting beat by double digits, came back to win both those games. Yeah, and they've been doing it really with the ground game and, and um, you know, Saquon Barkley and not a lot of passing. We talk about our uh, Daniel Bellinger. I think he's led the team twice in receiving yards at 34 yards and 23 yards. Um, starting to get Wandale Robinson involved a little bit more in the offense, uh, Bellinger. Um, but they, they need to find a way to... Uh, exploit this Jaguar secondary. That's really one of the Jaguars' problems is um, we saw the the Colts last week. I think uh, Matt Ryan dropped back to pass 57 times. So they're not a team that had his best game of the year. Not a team that you're really going to run a ton on. You need to pass on them, which really isn't the Giants' strength. Some some interesting kind of stats I had here, though. You talked about 83% of the tickets or 85% of the tickets uh, being on the Giants. it, it, it's weird because you have a they're they're the dog they're a right. money line dog yep. and they're they're five and one. Um, the Jaguars have lost eighteen consecutive games to teams in the AF, uh, in the NFC dating back to two thousand eighteen. Wow. So they have not beat an NFC opponent in eighteen straight um, since two thousand twelve against the NFC. The Jaguars are four and thirty nine straight up and 8-35 and 35 against the spread. So that goes even more. So what you're saying is, though, this is a team, a favorite, that we're actually going to need on Sunday. This, this goes more to support right. that the, the, you right. know, this is a good spot for the Giants as the Jaguars have right. continuously struggled in this situation. Uh, you know, they even though they're two and four, they have played. I, I think better. I think Doug Peterson has done a, a good job with the Jags. But again, a lot, not, as you mentioned, not a lot of success against the NFC. So we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see this number actually drop uh, by kickoff. Uh, next game, a big AFC South matchup. Colts Titans in this game. Uh, Titans are in first place in the division. Colts are playing a, a little bit better. Fifty-four percent of the tickets are on the Titans. Fifty-five percent over. But there's some really interesting trends on this game. The Colts are 8-2 and two against the number their last 10 games as a dog. The Titans are only 2-8 and eight straight up in their last 10 games versus Indy at home. Also, they're only 3-7 and seven over as a favorite their last 10 versus Indy. So not a lot of scoring. In, uh, Tennessee has struggled against Indy, and Indy has done great as a road dog against the number. Um, and But Tennessee's beaten Indy once already this year. So something has to give in this one with kind of conflicting trends for both teams. Yeah, not only has Tennessee already beat them, but they beat them in Indianapolis, and it was just two weeks ago um, in kind of a dominant um, Derrick Henry-type start. Uh, I think he rushed for 116 yards and a touchdown. Tennessee really controlled the game. Uh, Colts Colts need Jonathan Taylor back here. They were able to come back a little bit late. Uh, I don't think Tennessee actually scored in the second half of that game. I think it was they had 24 at halftime, didn't score in the second half, so maybe the Colts figured something out um, in their halftime adjustments, and that would bode well for this game in this game but still facing a 10 
Tennessee team that's coming off their bye week um, with a with a healthy Derrick Henry and. I just don't know which Matt Ryan we're going to see and what offensive line we're going to see. We're just two weeks removed from watching the Denver Broncos, uh, you know, all over him. And, and I know they were able to sneak out a win um, in Denver and then the win over Jacksonville. So this Colts team, you know, finds miracle ways to, to find a way to win. But I think Tennessee is the, the better team here and they're at home and you're laying um, short points. And Tennessee can make a big separation right. in the division here. Um, with the rest of this division, uh, you know, the Tennessee or the Jaguars losing to the Colts last week. If Tennessee is able to win this one, they'll take a, a two-game lead over the Colts and obviously winning both games. I think a big part for the Colts, too, is that they've been out without Jonathan Taylor for a couple of weeks. And I know that we always talk about, you know, the uh, Stephen Money's fantasy football fever. But from a fantasy side of it, I think you say one of the biggest disappointments in all of football is Jonathan Taylor. Arguably, or I mean, I think he was the consensus number one overall pick probably in every fantasy draft. Really hasn't been the same back that he was last year. Yeah, and injuries take their toll. And, you know, we, we talk about it every year, these top backs that get drafted right. in the first round and they go down and they're not uh, they're not producing points for you. Even before so, the injury, he yeah. just was, I mean, teams are keying on him. I think you thought the addition of Matt Ryan would open things up for some of the young receivers and Pittman. That really hadn't been the case. They were still putting seven and eight guys in the box. And Taylor really hadn't gotten off so far early this season. Yeah, and, and I don't know, you know, check his status of where he's at, um, whether he's going to be 100% or if he's going to try and go battle this game not playing at a, at a full 100%. Uh, we're going to go into Bengals-Falcons uh, right now. Uh, Falcons are getting almost a touchdown here. Interesting stat that the Falcons are the only undefeated team against the point spread this year. Been in every game. Uh, Bengals are only 1-9 over in their last 10 home games. So their offense hasn't scored a lot of points. And you look at Atlanta, who's the only undefeated team against the spread this year, it kind of looks like a, a closer game. But since he now has rattled off a couple of wins in a row, they're in first place in the NFC North with a lot of struggles with a lot of teams there uh, in the AFC North, I should say. Um, but something has to give here. But I'd say Atlanta, they're 3-3. Three and three, And I guess you could make a case that they're one of the biggest surprises in football just because they're 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, they played really good, and they're one – um, you know, roughing the passer uh, call away from potentially going and beating the Bucks um, in that game and, and sitting at, at four and two. Uh, Mariota's been a really surprise on the offensive side of the football. Uh, Drake London's been great. Um, Algier, they're right. finding guys out of the backfield with Cordell Patterson down. We saw uh, Kyle Pitts score his, his first, first U.S. His, touchdown. His first, his first uh, touchdown. He scored and, in London last year. Uh, and, and and so uh, they they're gaining confidence right. as they go. Um, the the Bengals. Continue to try and find a way to involve Mixon and Chase, and we've just seen where they can't keep these guys on the field. As T. Higgins um, has left, you know, several games, right. um, and, and, but the Bengals are still solid. They they just are not a uh, blowing teams out. They're right. letting teams stay in the games. They're they're missing field goals. They're they're in the red zone. They're not converting touchdowns, and those are the type of things that Atlanta's uh, been capitalizing on, capitalizing on and being able to stay in the football games. But I think you look at you know the struggles of so many teams in the NFC right now that I guess you can't say that the Falcons are, are out of the wild card mix. Um, I, I still think there's better teams, but again, one of the bigger surprises right now, um, I, I think at 3-3. Three and three. Well, they're going to get to continue to compete beat up on Carolina, who we're not expecting much out of. And unless things turn around in, in New Orleans, um, you know, that's a that's a beatable team as well. And obviously uh, well-documented, you know, the struggles of the Bucks right now. So that division is, is searching for a team to start playing some good football. Right. Uh, obviously the Bucks get the Panthers this week in a, in a game that they're over a touchdown favorite um, to, to stay on the top of the division while the Falcons, uh, you know, go on the road and, and as a dog. But I think the division is, is somewhat still wide open. 
Uh, Browns-Ravens, a, a big divisional matchup in the AFC. Ravens are almost a touchdown favorite here. 74% of the tickets are on the Ravens. Ravens have found a way three times this year to blow double-digit leads, um, yet they're still the favorite in this game. Ravens are only 3-7 and seven over in their last 10 games as a favorite versus Cleveland and in their last 10 games at home against Cleveland, but they're 5-0 and oh against the number in their last five games against the Browns. This Raven team, to me, is a head-scratcher. They look so good for basically three quarters. I know we've questioned some of the, uh, the decisions they've made late in games. Lamar Jackson has looked really good with Mark Andrews. They've been playing without Bateman. Uh, DuVernay has stepped up a little bit. Dobbins got banged up. Kenyon Drake came in last week and played great. But they're, to me, one of the biggest head-scratchers in the NFL right now I is the, the leads that they continue to blow late in games. You could say it for both these teams that, you know, they, they find it looking for ways to lose games rather right. than, than go and win games. Kind of the late game struggles for both these teams, uh, both allowing a lot of points, uh, not really good on the defensive side of the football in either of these two games. This is one of the games that I kind of have circled up as potentially a, a, an over game as Lamar Jackson should be able to have success on the ground and through the air. Um, check the status of Bateman, who I know is still right. been quite questionable. But I think Duvernay, he may be back this week, but yeah, definitely du- check Duvernay that. Duvernay has really stepped up. Mark Andrews has always been his go-to and if Kenyon Drake is going to continue to have those type of games and then you're able to sprinkle in a, a J.K. Dobbins, their offense is formidable right. and, and obviously it seems like uh, Brissette has found uh, Amari Cooper. Um, you know, he's able right. to have some big games there and obviously uh, Chubb running the football can have big games there so this this might be one where um, I look to see some points being scored. You, you know, it, it's strange to say it now but we've played half the games or 50% of the games that the Browns are expected to be without Deshaun Watson. Um, they're still in that division. Uh, week 13, he'll be back. So they have six more games without him. If they could somehow make some headway and win some of these divisional games, I think it sets them up really well for the last five weeks of the season. Yeah, they've both both these teams have got to find a way to improve in the defensive secondary. Otherwise, there's no shot at getting to the top of this division. Um, Bucks Panthers. Bucks come off that you know that that loss last week. Uh, Panthers. We're in the game for maybe two and a half, three quarters against the Rams. Um, Bucks are getting the love here. 64% of the tickets are on the Bucks. Uh, when these two teams have played each other, um, 10, or excuse me, four of the last five times, uh, the game has gone over. So you get a lot of scoring there. Yet right now, the betting trend is 54% of the tickets uh, have gone under. This Tampa team just doesn't look like the same Buck team to me. Uh, Brady seemed to have trouble throwing deep in that game. I know he's had a lot of receivers that are kind of banged up. They just don't look to have that that killer instinct right now. I know they're 3-3. Three and three. They're tied with Atlanta in the division right now. I still think they win the division, um, but they, they just don't look the same. And in Carolina's side, they traded Robbie Anderson. A lot of rumblings that before that November 2nd trade deadline that Christian McCaffrey gets dealt, DJ Moore gets dealt. Um, P.J. Walker found a way to actually be one of the few quarterbacks in NFL history to, at the end of the game, have negative passing yards, which is almost unbelievable. Um, what's he going to do against Tampa's defense? And uh, the Bucks are one of the bigger favorites on the board um, in Week 7. Yeah, and we might see Jacob Eason as the starting right. quarterback in this game. So uh, a lot of question marks. But you talk about Tampa, and you know, we, we said it months ago as we were sitting here, I thought that they were one of the – divisional favorites that could be beaten now whether that was the saints uh, i honestly didn't think the falcons could win the afc south right. or the nfc south i thought it was the the saints that would be the ones thinking this right. out but um age catches up to everybody and it really looks the eye test when you watch the bucks play that it's finally 
you know, caught up to Tom Brady. He just doesn't look like the same Tom Brady that we've seen. Um, the offense seems to be the same. He still has the Fournette. He still has Evans and Godwin, and I know they want to talk about the, the injuries there or no Gronkowski, but he's just not making the throws. He's missing a lot of throws, and the line doesn't see, seem to give him a ton of time, and I don't know when it's going to finally catch up that this isn't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that we've seen the last two years. You, you've seen them struggle and lose to a Green Bay Packer team that is also having right. similar conversations about their offense. Um, and we've seen in, now seen this team get beat by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I'm a week removed of, right. from calling them the worst team in the NFL. Um, with, with Kenny Pickett. They were projected started, a first or second draft yeah, two weeks Ken, ago. Kenny Pickett going in the quarter, coming out after being hurt, Trubisky coming in. They, they had no semblance of an offense. They're able to go and, and find a way to get a victory. Najee Harris finally catches the ball for a touchdown, and the, you know we finally see Chase Claypool right. emerge from you know from nothing uh, this past week. And so I'm, I was shocked to see the Bucks go <clears throat> lose to the Steelers, but I don't think that this is uh, an irregularity. I think this Tampa team is in some real trouble, and, and they don't have the offense that they're going to need to keep themselves uh, in the playoff hunt. Well, I think the one benefit for them is that they play in the NFC South, so they can be mediocre. They could possibly, you know, finish eight and nine, nine and eight, and still win that division. And once you get to the postseason with Tom Brady, things can get corrected really quickly with a postseason win. I still think they're odds-on favorite to win the NFC South just because there's not a, another team there that I think is going to challenge them with the Saints' injuries, how young Atlanta is. We know Carolina's in the midst of a, of a fire sale right now. I think they still win the division, but once they get to the playoffs, can Brady flip that switch or not I think is going to be key. I don't, I don't think the, the, the light's on. He could flip the switch. I, I just don't <laughs> think there's a light bulb in the switch to, uh, to turn on. I, I think that I'm, I'm down on the Bucks, and I'll, I'll be surprised if they're able to turn this around. Um, Packers Commanders, uh, no Carson Wentz, quarterback change there. Packers coming off a loss at home to the Jets, uh, but the betters love them. 74% of the tickets um, are on the Packers, but they're not getting a whole lot of love for scoring. We talked about uh, some of the offensive woes of, of Tampa, some of the offensive woes of Green Bay. 64% um, of the tickets are on the under here, but the total has gone over in four of the last five games that Washington and Green Bay have played in Washington. So last year they played in a game that uh, Washington had so many opportunities to win and cover in that game. They didn't get it done. A lot of turnovers at the quarterback position. Uh, right now the Packers are about a five-and-a-half point favorite against the Commanders and, and no Carson Wentz. Yeah, and I don't know losing Carson Wentz uh, it affects this line, and right. I, I think that the Commanders may be a better team with affectionately Tyler Heineke. Heineke, Hen right. Heineke, Heineke. Uh, uh, they're a better team, and I think the emergence of, of getting Brian Robinson. I think if Robinson, they win, we'll, we'll bust open a couple of Heinekes. I think uh, Brian Robinson, the emergence of him in the running back and getting him back to um, pair him up with Gibson makes them dangerous. Obviously, we know what McLaren um, can do there on the back end. Um, but the, the, the thing that's concerning to me is we saw Washington in Chicago last week, and the Bears were able to get down in the red zone three times, and again fail miserably we won't go back and haunt ourselves with with Thank Justin you. Field's struggles and I like Herbert the October haunts kind of analogy there I Mooney, like that Mooney can't catch the right. ball at the goal line a lot of things that may have happened in that game but 
Washington can be exposed on the back end. Washington does not have a very good secondary. The Bears were really unable to expose that. And if there's any quarterback in the NFL that should be able to expose a bad secondary, it should be Aaron Rodgers. I just don't know if he's got the guys to go along with him. We saw Cobb uh, leave the field in that game last week. Um, obviously, the, the Packers are absolutely reeling after the loss in, in London to the Giants and then a home loss to the Jets. So I have a feeling that this is a very aggravated and we'll call it pissed off Packer team that's going to be that's going to be going into Washington this week. I think this number goes up and we see a lot more Packer action and I think we'll be huge Commander fans on Sunday. I think when you look at, at Green Bay and the offensive struggles there, look for them to be really active at the trade deadline. If it's a, a Kendrick Bourne, if it's a, a Chase Claypool, a DJ Moore, you've kind of heard Rodgers already start that, I need us to go out and get me some help. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me now, especially with Cobb going down and some of the struggles of, of Watson and, and Dobbs there, that they go out and get another veteran wide out to really help him. And guys like Moore and Claypool could be game changers for them, I think, on the offensive side of it. But uh, let's look at the next game here. Next game on the list, Jets-Broncos. Uh, we've kind of talked about some of the surprisingness of, of the both New York teams. Jets are 4-2 and two right now. Broncos arguably one of the, the bigger disappointments in all of football. I think when that trade occurred in the offseason for Russell Wilson, we expected that offense to be dynamic. He keeps saying, you know, let it ride at the end of every, every press conference. That offense has been horrible so far. I think they're dead last. He hasn't looked like the same Russ. Um, he can't run, and he's not playing that kind of schoolyard ball. You look at the skill position players he has. I know they lose Williams at running back, but when you look at Hamler and Sutton and Judy, this offense should be so much more dynamic than it is right now. And there's a lot of criticism that it's Russell Wilson. He's not looking for that second and third option. His deep ball has been way off. He's not scrambling a lot. He's really struggled. And we've seen this number plummet with the, with the uh, information about his hamstring injury. Seven of the last games uh, the Jets have played in Denver have gone under. And five of Denver's last six home games have gone under. Um, and that's the way it's being bet so far with a lot of under money here. Um, and But 86% of the tickets are on the Jets getting points. And 67% of the tickets are on this game going under. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about the Denver Broncos. I mean, we've... Uh, kind of exhausted it uh, of the the frustration of, of watching their games and I affectionately call the Denver Broncos three and out because yep. that's essentially their their offense and trying to find a way to uh, do something on defense or hope that somebody muffs a punt um, for, right. for them to be able to, to win a game he's awful and now you don't even know what's going on in their running back situation where you know you, you had Melvin Gordon um, and Mike, you had Boone, the young yeah, running yeah, back. And, and now they, they turn to Latavius Murray. Right. And Melvin Gordon is after the game asking, right. you know, what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on in the offense. So uh, Denver's a mess, and that's why you, you saw them open a three-point favorite in this game. And then after the loss to the Chargers, they've dropped down to under a field goal. And really, from an eye test standpoint, the Jets look good. I mean, love their skill position players. Reese Hall was, it looks like an absolute fantastic player. Um, we all know Zach Wilson likes to swing around. They've got uh, good. Corey Davis, Wilson. Yeah, they've um, got good wide yeah. receiver weapons. Their defense is really playing solid. So it's not going to surprise me at all. We continue to, see, continue to see people bet on the Jets here just because of the frustration of watching the Broncos play. And the Jets, you know, we talked about the Giants being right. the number one team against the money line. 
The Jets are the number two team on the money line. If you were betting $100 on the Jets, you'd be up $603 uh, so far this season. So the two New York teams uh, have been making people money. And I just don't know if the, you know, talking about the Buck struggles and are they able to turn it around. It, we keep waiting every week for the Broncos to turn it around. Now, again, they got the cover for you on Monday night against the Chargers. But, man, it is ugly football. Right. And, and you just if you're going to win with them, it's going to be a field goal game and a tight game. They just haven't been able to score points. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the Jets again, those skill position players. Elijah Moore had no receptions last year, and he was kind of the go-to guy for Zach Wilson last year. You have Wilson, Corey Davis. You mentioned Brees Hall, uh, Michael Carter at running back. You just look at the entire Barrios, right. I mean, you look at the entire, a lot of weapons. entire Jet team on both sides of the ball. They've really done a nice job of kind of building through the draft and a lot of young skill position players. I know Russell Wilson likes to say, let's ride at the end of each one of his press conferences. When I look at that offense, it's let's hide because they're not doing anything offensively at this point. All right, uh, Texans Raiders, game in our backyard. Raiders come off their bye. Uh, 76% of the tickets are on the Raiders. 52% of the tickets are on the under. Eight of Houston's last 10 road games have all gone under. Not a lot of scoring there. But I think you look at the Raiders, and I know they're 1-4, and four, and normally you'd say a team that's 1-4, and four, no chance. We know what the odds were for teams that were 0-2 that actually made the postseason over the last 30 years. But when you look at the struggles, I know you got two teams in their division that are 4-2. and two. But look at the struggles of so many teams and so much parity and so many teams hovering around 500. Look at the Raiders' next seven games. They are all extremely winnable games. I think the Raiders, even at 1-4, and four, are still a team that we're going to be talking about in the next six weeks that are in the wild card discussion. I was on record last week after the or two weeks ago after the loss to, to Kansas City and them hitting the bye you week. You did that, say that, yeah. Uh, the Raiders are going to win six straight um, a- after this bye, and my optimism is a Las Vegas optimism and that they find their way, and this bye week couldn't have become at a better time with them. Uh, Josh McDaniels with a new coach and a new offensive system. Um, you can see that the Raiders have the players um, to win these games. Their well, offensive couldn't weapons. Couldn't you make a case that they should have beat Kansas yeah, they, City I mean, and they yeah, should have beaten Arizona? They, they, they've had really, really tight games, uh, and, and the best thing that can happen to them is this Houston team coming to town. Right. Um, th- this is a great spot for them. However... I will hit the pause button because they are a seven-point favorite. The Raiders are 0-5 in their last five coming off the bye week. And in those games, they've been losing by an average of 17.8 points coming off their bye week. So historically, Raiders team has not we, been well to buy, but this is a different right. coaching staff. Um, and, and again, the home situation against the Texans should bode well. But we from our side of the counter are going to need that trend to continue. Um, a Raider win is okay, but a not cover um, probably would be best case for us on Sunday. I think you've seen a you know a huge percentage of tickets on the Raiders. That's only going to increase between now and kickoff on Sunday afternoon. A few more games in pro football to dive into. Maybe you make a case that this is the the kind of marquee matchup um, of the weekend. It's the 49ers and Chiefs at home in San Francisco. Chiefs come off that loss to Buffalo. 49ers come off that upset loss to Atlanta. 80% of the tickets are on the Chiefs. Chiefs are 5-1 in their last six games against San Francisco, but the 49ers are 5-0 against the spread in their last five games at home. So something has to give there. Niners are a home dog. I think it's a much bigger game to San Francisco than it is to, uh, to Kansas City. I know KC doesn't want to go 4-3, and three, but they got off to a slow start last year. I think still think with so many struggles with teams in the AFC, 
Kansas City can overcome being four and three. I'm not sure San Francisco can overcome being three and four. They've had some really tough road losses at Atlanta, at Chicago, at Denver, much better at home. But I think it's a big game for San Francisco. The betters really are back in Kansas City here. But I think there is some value for the 49ers at home getting points in this game. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to write off either team with a loss here. Um, I don't think it's, you know, obviously it's it's painful if either of these right. teams lose. But I wouldn't say um, a Niner loss here, a limp, you know, kills their season just because of the struggles of the other teams. I think teams. it hurts them more, Yeah, though, of course right. it hurts. But, I mean, the Rams have not been have not, have not been dominant. The Seahawks are a 500 team. And, obviously, we've talked, talked about the struggles of the Cardinals. Um, the one thing I had circled here is Jimmy G is the best quarterback in pro football as a home underdog. He is 14 and 6 straight up as a dog and 16 and 4 against the spread as a dog, making him the best QB winning percentage um, in the Super Bowl era as as a dog. So, he's found a way to win in these spots and they were in this a similar spot uh, just a couple weeks ago right. against the against the Rams. But a lot a lot more love right now both money and tickets on San Francisco or uh, on Kansas City with about 80% trending that yeah, way. Yeah, and again, you know, the loss to the Bills and they were in that game um, you know, had had opportunities to win the game, and obviously the interception at the end. And people remember what they saw last, and that's the Niners losing to that Falcon team. Obviously, back-to-back weeks on the road for the Niners. That was a difficult spot. Again, we talk about an improving Falcon team, but the Falcons right. were able to move the football up and down the field, and um, that offense isn't nearly as good as the offense they're going to see uh, that the Chiefs bring to town. Uh, AFC West battle next before we get into the two primetime games. Seahawks-Chargers. Um, it's kind of surprising Seahawks at this point. Chargers have kind of ugly, but they're, they're four and two. Um, 64% of the tickets are on the Seahawks getting points. 64% of the tickets are on the under in this game. A nine of the last 12 home games uh, for the Chargers have gone over. Also five of the last seven times uh, that the Chargers have played Seattle at home, these games have gone over. Um, so the stats show that there could be scoring here. The betting trends show that you guys like the under in this game right now. Yeah, Chargers, something not, is not right without Keenan Allen. It seems like that offense obviously clicks. He and, should be back, though, this yeah, week. Double check, but he should be him. back. So if he's back, maybe that changes things up. Mike Williams uh, kind of showed a disappearing act on Monday night against the Broncos. Again, you could chalk that up to the Broncos' coverage of him, trying to make right. somebody else uh, beat them. in Seattle, uh, you know, with Penny going down, he kind of turned it over to Walker, and you get to Geno Smith and – Sometimes there's a good Geno Smith right. and sometimes there's a bad Geno Smith. And they still have the offensive weapons there with Lockett. Um, and, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Met- Metcalf. Metcalf. Right. Um, you know, so they, they've got those offensive weapons to be able to score, but they're, they're, they're struggling on the defensive side. And really, side Kenny Walker has done a nice yep. job after Penny got injured. He looks like the, the real deal at this point. Um, okay, we're going to look at the two primetime games now, guys. All right, the, the Sunday night game, uh, Steelers, Dolphins. There's a chance it looks like two is going to be back. Just double-check there. Uh, 52% of the tickets are on the Steelers getting a touchdown. 54% of the tickets are on the under here. Steelers are 7-2 and two straight up in their last nine games versus Miami. And Miami is 4-1 and one against the number in their last five games against Pittsburgh. But before we move on any further, Jay, this is the first time that I think I can remember in the last two or three years that we're talking about so many games where the ticket counts favor the under, and I think that's the lack of scoring you're seeing so far in pro football. Yeah, there's a, there's a clear trend. I don't have the right. numbers in front of me, but the vast majority of games have gone under, and we were expecting it as we went into the beginning of the season that we were going to see more games with the right. over, with yep. the uh, legal contact penalty yep. on the defense 
is being called more often or emphasized more often. So I just think it's a, a matter of quarterback play and some of the struggles and some of these quarterbacks that we're, that we're seeing, uh, obviously going along with some of the injuries that we're right. seeing throughout the NFL. But this is a game that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not coming off my Steelers are a bad, bad football team. Um, now they travel on the road. Um, they got the, the gift of uh, playing home and a, and a Bucks team that clearly was struggling. Uh, but I think this is a tough place to, to travel to. And with a healthy Waddle and a healthy Hill and Tua coming back, and the Dolphins are trying to find somebody to run the football, whether it's Mostert or Evans, uh, Edmonds. Um, they've got some weapons I think it there. is Mostert they're going for. I think the, I think the Dolphins, uh, this will be a good defensive spot for them, and this could be a, this could be a good, good spot for Miami. Double check on both Tua, though, and Waddle. Uh, both have had some injury problems. They both look like they're going to play, but I think it's just just double-check as you get closer and closer to Sunday night that both these guys are, are going to be in the lineup. Ma- major change of Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson um, going back to Tua, just the confidence that that offense will have. So now we're going to dive into the, the, sun, the Monday night game, and it's that offensive juggernaut, the Chicago Bears. Three times in the red zone in their last game. I think they're the only team that had driven over 60 yards three straight times, got in, or three times in one game, got inside the five, and came away with exactly zero points. And I know it hits close to our heart because we're both Bear fans. Uh, they're getting over a touchdown in New England. Um, New England has played really well the last couple of weeks. Last time they hosted an NFC North team, it was the Detroit Lions, who have an extremely potent offense. And guess what? They were shut out in New England. Um, I think it's going to be Bailey Zappi again at quarterback. Uh, Seven of the last eight times these two teams have played, it has gone over. I just don't see how the Bears can generate enough enough offense to get this game over. Yeah, in the Bears' offense, I think that Josh Allen has more yards than the entire Bears <laughs> offense combined. Um, and so that's just, you know, the struggles that they're in and Iberflus, you know, the first year of, of putting this in. And um, I, I just don't know that this is a good spot to, to like them in. Um, a re- you know, obviously the extra rest from playing on Thursday night, uh, but the Patriots are playing really, really well. Um, they, they have a really solid defensive football team. They really, really run the football Stevenson well. Stevenson has been great. Yeah, they do not turn the ball over, whether it's been Jones or Zappi. Uh, they're, they're kind of... Uh, you know, make the play on the offense when they and they've been getting guys to do it. Thornton and, right. and, and you know these guys you don't even know scoring touchdown for the Patriots and obviously on a Monday night uh, returning up to New England this looks like a, a really difficult spot and that's why the Patriots are over the touchdown favorite. And this you know is going to be another spot. I think the Patriots in their last home game pitched the shutout against the Lions, um, so they'll, they'll be looking to do the same thing to another uh, you know NFC North uh, foe. I mean, it, it clearly could be a different narrative about the Bears' offense uh, because they did drive um, against Washington and put themselves in scoring position early in the game. Uh, he hits the back of an offensive lineman's head, and then when he had Ryan Griffin, the tight end, open in the end zone, he kind of just flung that ball. I mean, I, I know there are opportunities for for Fields to kind of grow and progress. He had a much better game the week before that, but he's got to make the plays when the plays are there, and I think that's going to help his development a lot. It's back-to-back weeks that they're playing on primetime football, so the entire country gets to watch him play. Uh, yet they've had 11 days off, though, to kind of get ready for this Patriot game, so we'll see if they've made any adjustments at all. Well, I hope they, they don't have Vilas Jones returning punts. <laughs> um, if, they, if they don't make that adjustment, I'll question what the heck is going on uh, and we're, we're going to end up being you know we're going to end up being a bear fan Monday we night. we're going to end up being bear fans because the the, yep. the money is going to be on the patriots uh, but this really just looks like a great spot uh, for the patriots uh, the bears um, were able to move the football on washington last week um, 
this Patriot defense is much better than that commander defense. Before we move on to the next segment, you think it's a little bit deja vu for the Patriots? I mean, you, you get the injury um, to Bledsoe, and then Brady becomes the star. And I know Mac Jones had a really good rookie year. He has struggled a little bit this year. Bailey Zappi comes in and has really looked good in a couple of games right now. He starts this game and gets another really impressive win. Um, I mean, everything points to Mac Jones starting again when he's healthy. But does it make Belichick kind of think a little bit about this young quarterback who at Western Michigan really flung the ball around the entire field, is more of that kind of gunslinger mentality? I know that's not New England's makeup. It's, you know, manage the game, don't turn it over, run the ball, and play great defense. But I think Bailey Zappi's played really well so far for the Patriots. I, I don't think they'll make the change. I think when Mac Jones is healthy, they'll go back to Mac Jones. And I think that that's just a product of what they're trying to accomplish there in New England. They're not asking their quarterback to go win them football games like we see in a lot of these other teams throughout the throughout the league, um, that the quarterback has to go make plays. Um, they'll play in those type of ball games. They'll run the ball um, and you know shoot the ball on the short right. pass routes. And so both of these guys can be successful in that role. And uh, yeah, I think they'll make the move back to, to Jones when he's healthy. And that, but that doesn't mean that Zappi couldn't win right. in, in this situation yep. and Jones can't win in the same situation. I think that that's just how that offense is built uh, for the quarterback to not make those mistakes and not have to go win football right. games. And you touched on it. I think the quarterback struggles of the entire league this year is a product of all the unders we're seeing. And in New England, I guess it's a good problem to have that you've got two kind of good young quarterbacks that can each go out and win a game. Before we come back um, and, and get into our two favorite segments, uh, Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever and the good, the bad, and the ugly. I can hear that whistle now, John. Um, let's look at LMS, last man standing for pro football. We touched on it for college. There was 6,284 entries. Uh, after la- or Heading into last week, there was 180. Remaining now, 104 lucky contestants left as we head into week seven for pro last man standing. Clearly a product of the parody only a handful of teams in both conferences being above 500. Congratulations to you guys that are still left going because this has not been an easy road in pro football this year. More than college. I thought it was going to be a little bit less than the college with the, the number of Yeah, but of don't forget we had almost three times yeah, the amount of so entries. So many more entries. Yeah. So, yeah, but congratulations to those that are going and look out to who's going to be that last man standing. Right, so good luck, you guys, in both college and pro. Uh, we're going to come back for our last segment of bookends and, again, two of our, our favorite segments. So we'll be right back. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It's time to bet your buns off. And when it comes to sports betting, you better bet with the STN Sports app. So what in the heck are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey, everybody. We're back for our final segment of the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. And this is by far our, our, our fun segment. It's Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we're going to start with Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever. And this is a, a strange week, Jay, because the two best teams, uh, the Bills and Eagles, coincidentally enough, both have a bye the same week. So no, no um, Jalen Hurts, no Josh Allen, but also the Rams and Vikings have buys this week. So you're talking about no Diggs, no A.J. Brown, no Jefferson, um, you know, no some Cooper of the Cup. No Cooper Cup. The big name wideouts are all on by the same week. I don't know how it worked out this way, but it did. So you guys really need to look at your fantasy lineups this week. Make sure that you're kind of uh, picking up players accordingly to fill some of those gaps because you're going to be a, out of a lot of big-time stars. Well, 
look at it one way or another. Hopefully, you're you're not missing those guys, and hopefully, you're fortunate enough against them. to be a playing against right. those guys that had those on their teams, right. and and you're catching the luck of uh, their of their bye week. So first, we're going to jump into quarterback, and you know maybe it's kind of the flavor of week seven, but I'm going to go with with Dak Prescott. I, I think you look at the Cowboys, how well their defense has played. They're playing against one of the poorest defenses in all of football in the Detroit Lions. I think Dak gets healthy here. I think you see CeeDee Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, uh, both running backs really get involved. I think Dalton Schultz didn't play well um, when Cooper Rush was quarterback, but it was a favorite kind of check down or safety valve for Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott has a huge game in his comeback against Detroit. I, I kind of made mention of it earlier with my quarterback. Uh, I'm going to go to Derek Carr, and I, I'm going to start him over some of the other guys that you may have out there, whether it's an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady. Um, I think that, that Carr is the guy to start uh, this week, um, having the bye week, get a little bit more knowledge of McNown's system and what they're trying to do. I think bringing Houston to town um, gives them that, that flavor to, to throw the ball around a little bit more, and I think that looking for a, a big week out of Derek Carr and I'll go further on that again. I think that they're going to win a, a bunch of games here coming up. So, uh, And he's done with his bye week, so he might be a guy to, to pick up and you can play him uh, in, in a couple of the next couple of weeks. So it's Pres- Prescott and Carr at, at quarterback. Our running back, I'm going to dive right into Thursday night football, and I think it's Alvin Kamara of the Saints. I look for Kamara to have a huge game against the Cardinals. And I looked at Kenny Walker last week, who had a great game um, at home against the Cardinals. But the reason I'm going with Kamara is that you're going to have no Michael Thomas, no Landry. We know Olave's coming back from the injury. The quarterback struggles are the the two injuries um, right now to to both Winston and Dalton. I think it's got to be the Alvin Kamara show. It's going to be a lot of Kamara to the left, Kamara to the right, a lot of short passes to Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara has a huge game on Thursday night against the Cardinals. With my running back, I'm going to go to Ezekiel Elliott. I know you have a lot of confidence in Dak Prescott coming back this week, but I think this is Zeke's week um, to shine in Dallas. Zeke's week, I like that. Zeke's week to shine in Dallas. Uh, Finally had a a solid game, uh, 83 yards, 89 yards, and a touchdown this week against the Eagles. Um, He's been getting in that 13 to 15 carries range. Uh, I think that this week against the Detroit Lions, um, he's going to get probably north of 20 carries. In the Lions' last two games, um, running backs before their bye week, they gave up 161 yards rushing to Ramadre Stevenson, and they gave up 151 yards to Rashad Penny. So there are some problems on that defensive front for the Lions. They had the bye week to figure it out, but I think that this is a good week for Zeke um, to get a lot of late carries, and I guarantee he scores a touchdown this week. You could almost have made that an entry of Zeke and Pollard uh, to both well, have big games. I'm, I'm going to go with Zeke because that's the guy that they, they want to get going. Right. He's, he's their, their big contract guy. He's their big money guy. Um, they, they want him to, to get the carries, and Pollard hopefully could bust one out if you got him in your right. lineup too, but I think that this is a week where we're consistently seeing more of a 50-50 split in carries. I think this is a week where we see Zeke with a little bit more of those carries. All right, so now you've heard Kamara and Zeke at running back. Um, wide receiver, I'm going to go to Sunday Night Football. I'm going to go to Tyree Kill with the Miami Dolphins. He gets two a back, but more so you look at Pittsburgh. Four DBs are out in this game or extremely questionable, including Fitzpatrick and Weatherspoon. I think if two is back, he lights up that secondary. Primetime football, I think Tyree Kill goes off with over 100 yards receiving and at least one TD. I wanted to go to Mike Evans. I had Mike Evans targeted as my guy to go to as from a receiving standpoint. I think he had 89 yards and two touchdowns um, in their last game against Carolina last year. But I just 
can't go to the Bucks right now because I, I really don't know what that team is. And, and Carolina, with the coaching change, um, this is their, they'll be playing their first game at home under the new coach. So maybe they try and find a way to play inspired football. Um, so I'm going to go to uh, the guy that I think has the, the biggest week in all of fantasy football this week um, because I think he's going to be featured all over the field and you're going to watch him touch the ball. Uh, 20 times and that's Debo Samuel with the 49ers Um, we're going to go back to 49er playoff type football this week against the Kansas City Chiefs and you're going to see Debo in the backfield in the slot in the wide receiver position and I think Jimmy G is going to find the Niners best player Um, I don't know that they have a ton of confidence in Jeff Wilson in the running back position Um, they, they added Tevin Coleman and, and I just don't know he's in the mix with the way that they just looked in Atlanta. So I think that they go back to what they know best, and that's let's give the fall, football to Debo Samuel. And I think we find him all over the field in this Chiefs game. They're, they're going to need him to have a big game, I think, against uh, Kansas City in this game. So that's our Stephen Money's fantasy football fever, guys. Now we're going to jump into our favorite segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I hear John queuing up that whistle right now. I start with the good. I think we each have a, an opinion here on the good. For me, the good is the two wild card teams from the National League, and that's the Padres and Phillies, who both went up against the defending champs, Braves, the 112-win Dodgers, and came away with big series wins there where they dominated those two series. So for me, it's the good. It's two teams that didn't expect to be playing or we didn't expect to be playing in the NLCS. And I think they've done a great job so far. And what's really been fun is watching when they play at home. Their crowds, their fans are so energized right now that it's fun baseball to watch. So kudos again to the Phillies and Padres for being in the NLCS. My, my good, I'm going to go to the uh, New York football teams. Um, it's been all too often that uh, the Jets find themselves in the basement of the league and the, and the Giants haven't been good. And I can't tell you how much money um, you know the books have lost uh, uh, on people betting against the Giants and the Jets. And so it's been a uh, pleasant surprise to see these two teams playing well and, and getting wins. And it's been, uh, it's been winning money for the books. And I, I think it's going to continue. I think both these teams have found something. And uh, you, you should find a way to maybe start backing the Giants and the Jets. Uh, they're definitely fun to watch right now. Um, The bad, I'm going to stick with football, and I think it's so many teams that we expected to be good, uh, that we'd be talking about uh, the 49ers, the Rams, the Packers, uh, the Bucks. that the struggle that these teams have had, to me, it's the bad right now. There's a lot of bad football or mediocre football going on by some of the best teams or that we expected to be the best teams. These are all teams that were favored to win their division that are really struggling right now. My, my bad, and I'm going to kind of stick in the same somewhat idea that you have there. Um, my bad is Thursday night football. Actually, that was my it, ugly, it, it, so we're good. Oh, oh, <laughs> been, I mean, Thursday night football has just been atrocious. I, right. I'm, I'm excited for the NHL and NBA to finally get going, and, and I'll, I'll flip over to, you know, NBA Thursday nights on TNT rather than watching these uh, the, the, the struggles of these Thursday night football teams. All right, uh, the ugly right now. I'm going to defer to you. I know you've got <laughs> something that, that you wanted to target here for the ugly, so we're going to well, finish it with the ugly. I, I, I think I've used them as my ugly before, and it's strange that I have to go back to them as my ugly again. Um, but, you know, growing up in Chicago and, and, and being a fan of, of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, it is... 
it's it's ugly. ugly and there's no, other, right. there's no other way to say it. Um, I think I used them as the ugly after the home loss to Marshall, and now we're sitting here this week following a home loss to Stanford. Um, and and Stanford was a one and four football team coming into that game on the road and not a, a good football team. They, they only their only win was over Colgate. Uh, and and they're able to go in and beat Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman came in as as you know potentially a, a savior to replace Brian Kelly and a great recruiter and and that they had a chance at a national championship aspirations and this team's now lost two games at home right. and I don't know how long it's been since they've lost two games at home and they've got to play a home game later this year against Clemson so they could be sitting on three home losses um, they get the gift of the Rebels UNLV going there this week right. so maybe they get right but you know all is not good uh, all is not well in Notre Dame and, and shame on Notre Dame and they're my ugly this week they've been your ugly for a couple yeah, of weeks yeah until they so. turn it around they might end up being <laughs> bad even with just a win over UNLV so guys it's always fun uh, being on with you guys um, don't forget such a great time to get signed up for SDN Sports if you don't have it and we love it when you guys come out and experience everything we have to offer in all of our properties. But here at Red Rock, we've added two more of our racing sportsbook kiosks adjacent to the bar. So we know the crowd gets kind of busy on, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Use one of the racing sportsbook kiosks. So convenient to make your bets, not only here at Red Rock, but all of our properties, but two additional ones here in the racing sportsbook. So, guys, again, we're excited to have you. You want to finish it off? No, I, my other ugly, if you wanted to, you know, I hate to harp on the uglies, but if you're a Broncos fan or a Bears fan, um, you hate punt returners. Right. Because um, you, you play a fight in a, in a football game and your punt returners uh, or your punt teams can't execute or, or receiving a punt and that costs you a football game. That gets real frustrating. Yep. Very, very true. Guys, again, we're excited to be back here at Red Rock. Last week we were at Santa Fe. We're going to be hitting some of our other uh, racing sports books throughout the station casinos family in the coming weeks. Again, love it when you guys come out. Good luck to the remaining guests that are left in last man standing. And uh, we'll see you guys next week on the Sports Betting Podcast. Bookends. He's Jason. I'm Chucky. Good luck this week, guys.